But today is a significant day. Um, as of today, we will be doing this every week, four o'clock. It seemed like a really good idea at the time. No, it's going to be great. This is um, very exciting because what we are doing is we are allowing room. We're allowing room for more, for the more of God, for more of what God wants to do, more people coming in and hearing the truth of the gospel. Um, I do believe, and as elders we believe, uh, as we're in prayer meetings, uh, there's a real sense that we believe we are in a season of growth. We believe God is going to do something big and significant amongst us at Hope Church and in Seven Oaks and beyond. We believe that many will be brought into the kingdom over the next few years and beyond. And that's why we're making room. Because we believe God is going to add in to both the morning and the afternoon. Now, if you were here last week, um, it would have felt really great in the morning because we were running out of chairs at the back of the room. It was great. There was, you know, 200 plus people. We were kind of fighting. People, they weren't literally fighting for places, but, um, you know, there was a bit of a a bum fight for chairs. But um, now we've kind of made some space. That's kind of how the kingdom works, isn't it? It looks um, like there's less of us now in the morning, less of us in the afternoon, but God is about to fill in both services. And then we're going to have to think about where we go from there. But it seems for now the, the wind of his mercy and blessing is at our backs and we need to work whilst it is day. So we need to keep pushing forward, keep seeking him for more. And my burden is that what we see happen in both services is that we see such fruitfulness in evangelism that we see people moving from death to life, darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, from unbelief to belief, that we see both services grow, we see us affecting this town, reaching the lost, the people that don't know Jesus, broken people, lost people in search of hope. That's where we want to see the church grow. And this is the beginning. This is part of it, what we're doing. It's expansion, it's multiplication. This is an expression of Christ's aim to be more fruitful. Or as some would say, be soul winners. Or in the verses that we're going to look at today, be fishers or catchers of men. We, if you're visiting here today, we've been going through the series of the Gospel of Luke, Um, and today we're going to be in Luke 5. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can do it the old-fashioned way and turn to Luke chapter 5. Uh, The words will appear on the screen. We're going to go Luke 5 from 1 to 11. Whilst you're doing that, I just want to catch you up with where we've been so recently. Um, we had, saw Jesus being baptised by John the Baptist and the heavens opened and uh, the Father spoke saying, this is my son with who I am well pleased. Then after that, <clears throat> Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. He faces temptation. He goes through that. And uh, recently Adam was speaking about where Jesus was in the two towns of Nazareth 
and Capernaum, comparing the two towns or cities um, of belief and unbelief. And Jesus then goes and casts out demons and he speaks in the whole region of Judea. And that brings us up to Luke chapter 5. So let's read. And on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything to follow him. So, Jesus had been speaking in the province of Judea, and we find him now by the lake of Galilee. It says the lake of Gennesaret, which is just an area south of Capernaum where he had been. Jesus is starting to get well known. There's a crowd gathering to hear him speak. They're hearing or to hear the word of God. Verses 1 to 2, it says, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. And we know how this verse ends with the call for, to catch men. To, to, they drop everything to go and follow him. But Jesus starts at the beginning with his bait. And the bait is the word of God. And this word of God that we have today is the greatest word that there is in the world. This is the word of God is truth. And the word of God aims to win a rational person's mind and their affections. So we need to hold this in high regard, this book. We need to take this seriously. We need to be unashamed of the word of God. This is not technique, but this is truth. He also taught whilst he was in the boat. We need to get to know it. Get to know the word of God. And as we do, we draw closer to him. We draw closer to God by the help of the Holy Spirit revealing to us in greater measure. Take this book seriously. Get to know it. Really dig into it. As we do that, we need to show the whole gospel message through this book. Showing more of Christ, giving people opportunities to respond to this whole message. Let's teach the word of God and the full redemptive story. Heaven, hell, faith, what happened on the cross, resurrection. 
teach the word of God. So we see the crowds pressing in, in verse 2. And he gets into this boat and he's pushed out. He just sees an empty boat and he gets in it and says, can you push me out? Which is, we can kind of just skim over these words quite easily, but it's a bit odd really because he just gets in someone's boat and says, push me out, mate. So just try it after the service. Go into the car park, find the nicest car, just get in it. And then when the person comes and knocks on the window and says, "Uh, excuse me, what are you doing in my car? Just say, I need it to teach the word of God. Just see how that goes. It might work out for you. It might not. I'm not actually recommending this, so youth, don't try this. This is not a... Don't take things literally. Um, But he gets into the boat. This boat is probably 20 to 30 feet long, possibly like the whole length of this stage. And Simon pushes him out. It's Simon who Jesus calls Peter. Um, Luke is a, a bit of a stickler for the chronology. He doesn't start calling Simon Peter until 614, which is slightly different in other Gospels, but... Uh, Luke really focuses on the chronology where others are more focused on the theme. So, but Simon will already have known, Simon Peter will have already known Jesus from chapter 4 where Jesus heals his mother-in-law. So I'm sure he already holds Jesus in very high regard for healing his mother-in-law. I know I would hold him in very high regard because my mother-in-law is here, so I, will, <laughs> I would hold Jesus in very high regard. so Simon pushes him out and Jesus is there teaching the crowd in this kind of floating pulpit and James and John and Peter are there washing their nets whilst this is happening I don't don't really understand how the whole fishing thing works I'm thinking why would you wash nets when they go in the water but there you go Um, So they're washing their nets, and they've had a bad night. I don't, have you ever had one of those days at work that's just not very productive? You haven't really achieved much. These guys are fishermen, and they have no fish. That's not, that's not a very productive day, is it? The one thing you're supposed to do as a fisherman is catch fish, and they haven't caught anything. And they're there washing the nets, and it says Jesus finishes teaching the crowds, and then this, this preacher teacher, healer, carpenter person, tells them, after washing their nets, to throw them back out again. I worked in the construction industry for 20 plus years, and I didn't take it too well when a carpenter told me how to do my job. (laughs) But he's saying, no, throw your nets into the deep. Look, Jesus, it's a great idea, but I'm the fisherman, you're the carpenter. But I think Peter knew enough already of Jesus to know that Jesus probably knows more than Peter does. So he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but... At your word, I'll let down the nets. Okay, Jesus. All right. I'll give it a go. 
then that act of obedience, Peter gets his reward. He gets the catch of fish when he's tried his hardest. When he's at the end of his tether, Jesus steps in. He chooses our lowest moments and our weakest places to do his greatest work. We should be willing to follow the Lord's leading, even if it looks unfruitful and difficult. Follow the Lord's leading if it looks unfruitful and difficult, if that is what he is calling you to do. You just don't know where it will lead to. It could be a great catch. They had such a great catch of fish, they had to call over another boat. Verse 6, it said, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Working with James and John, Peter couldn't even net a single fish. But he partners with God's spirit, and it brings instant breakthrough. And Jesus could only give them what their nets could carry without bursting, and what their boats could take without sinking. And I I believe it's significant that we're looking at this today. In this significant day of the church, I believe that we're looking at this for a reason. It's almost like we planned it. We didn't quite, but we almost did. But I feel like there's something prophetic in the two boats coming together to get the catch. I feel like there's something prophetic in that. God is speaking to us about two boats coming together. We're starting two services, and I feel like This is another boat coming in to get a catch of people. And you never know, we might need a third boat before long. And I think Luke wants us to see here there are no limits to the work of God's power and his spirit in the world except those that he finds in us. Jesus shows us his authority with his catch of fish. He has authority over weather. He has authority over the fish. He has authority over the whole world. Does he have complete authority in your life? Where in your life are you not giving Jesus authority? Just think about that for a moment. Moving on. Simon Peter saw it, verse 8. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for I am a sinful man. Peter sees Jesus' glory. Despite all the fish, he falls to his knees. Peter realizes he is in the presence of the divine. When confronted with the Almighty, he knows he cannot stand. And the awareness of God's presence, directly or indirectly, produces such a response in people that it yields this sense of unworthiness in them that they can receive God's grace and favor. You see that throughout Scripture. You see it in Isaiah, when he has this, in Isaiah 6, he has this amazing encounter, and then he says, Whoa, not wow, 
I think we might think, oh, if we saw God, it'd be a wow moment. No, it would be a woe moment. Woe is me. This is what Isaiah said. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. And it's a similar story here with Isaiah and Peter as well. He has an encounter and then he's a sent person. Jesus doesn't chastise Peter the sinner. He calms him down. He draws him in. See, we might think that we're okay outside of Christ. We might think we're doing okay, but when we are presented with the holiness and righteousness of God, nothing can compare to Jesus. Nothing. It says in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the consequence of that is Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Sin means that we are separated from God. Death is our wage, our consequence. Being spiritually dead towards God in this life, eternally dead to God in living hell when we die. But eternal life means that God has given us this gift of eternal life for those that choose Jesus. God is altogether and completely holy and he hates sin and he wants nothing to do with it. But he's not only perfectly holy, he is perfectly merciful. And he hatched a plan. The death scene was carried out. There was a way of escape for all of mankind and sinners. It was called the Great Exchange. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. He became what we were, sinners, so that we might become what he is, righteous. He got what we deserve, death. So that we might receive what only he can give, and that is life, and life in all its fullness. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope for. Jesus shows Peter here God's grace, how we're saved. By grace alone, by faith alone, by Christ alone. Not through working hard or trying to impress Jesus says in Luke 5, 31, he says, I didn't, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. Jesus doesn't chastise the sinner at his knees, he calms him with a call not to fear. Seeing God's power is not a cause to withdraw, but it is an opportunity to draw near to him. Because he died for you. So you can draw near to him. You can come close to God when you couldn't before because of Jesus dying on the cross. You can come close to Jesus today because he loves you. He wants to draw you close today. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not in a relationship, <coughs> excuse me, if you're not in a relationship with the living God, he wants to know you today. And it's easy. It's simple. You don't have to impress. You don't have to live up to a certain standard first. You just have to just say, Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for the cross. 
forgive me for my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's all you have to do. We're going to pray at the end. So if you want to do that, that's going to give you an opportunity. Jesus comforts the fisherman. He calls him into his work and vocation, the call to participate in building the kingdom. He says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Peter leaves everything to follow Christ, to be obedient to the call. The call comes first. The obedience to Christ comes first. It was great to hear from Jeremy and Laura about they just want to be obedient. They just want to be obedient to what God is saying over their lives. You heard that saying that blood is thicker than water? Family comes first. No, the call of Christ comes first. My kids say to me, do you love Jesus more than me? I say, yes, I do. But through him, I can love you more than I could ever possibly do outside of Christ. Mustn't let our family, our children become an idol in our lives. Put him first and then you will be a much better parent, a much better brother, a much better husband, wife, whatever it might be, if we follow the call of Christ first. Notice it doesn't say, it doesn't say, uh, don't be afraid, from now on you'll be catching men. And then Simon went and checked with his wife that it was okay. And then he sold his boat and his business and did everything that made sense. It doesn't say that, does it? It says he left everything. He didn't go and check with his wife and say, um, love, I'm just going to go and follow Jesus. Is that okay? No, sorry, sorry, Jesus. He just wants me to go and do the shopping first. Is that all right? Oh, yeah, and I've got this fisherman's convention next week. Oh, yeah, and there's this big catch I've got to do next week. There's a supply I've not need to do. No, I've just got to do that, and then I'll follow you. Oh, and then these other things as well. I just need to do that, Jesus. Is that all right? No, he says he dropped everything and he followed him. Peter and the others drop the nets and begin the lifelong mission of following Jesus in the pursuit of catching people. Those who know that they're unworthy accept the invitation to follow a higher call. To abandon your nets, abandon your boat. Can you help transform sinners into servants, leading people to Christ? Every time people meet God in the Bible, in a close encounter, it ends in mission. Abraham is sent out from Ur, land of Ur. <clears throat> Moses in the burning bush, he's sent to Egypt. Peter gets a glimpse of his glory veiled in Christ's humanity and he drops everything. Every time someone sees God, really sees him for who he is, they move from the inward looking to the outward. That is how we know this isn't a figment of our imagination. This is not how we know we've encountered the real God, not 
not something we're just imagining. It's because our perspective changes. You have a heart for others. God pulls you in to bless you and to be a blessing. He says to Abraham that I will, through you, the whole earth will be blessed. When we're on mission, it gives us joy. It turns our attention from ourselves into his plan and purpose. Jesus prayed to the Father, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. Lord, as you are making me on a, a man on mission, I too am making my disciples a people on mission. And before that, this is a, a prayer in John, the Gospel of John, uh, 17, I think it is. Uh, Jesus says, I am telling them all these things so that their joy will be complete. Their joy will be complete. His fullness of joy. Nobody has a joy like a joy that they know can change the world. When Jesus calls Peter into mission to go and catch men, to go and make disciples, we find a joy that we can f only find when serving something bigger than our own interests. Something bigger than what's going on in our own heart. Something bigger than our own career, our own relationships, our own pain, our own life difficulties. Our attention changes. Nobody had a joy like Jesus because there's never been a man like Jesus on mission. If, you, if like Peter, you see Christ for who he is, you lose yourself. You die to self. You have another goal in life. Abraham knew there was a cost. He left everything. He was sent out from the land he knew. Peter left everything. You cannot be a Christian and it not be public. He was going to... Sorry, you cannot be a Christian and it not be public. You, can't, you can start upsetting people when you start telling them you're a Christian. It can cause friction with your family. People can treat you differently because you're a sent person. Your family might even say, well, we christened you as a baby. What do you mean you want to be baptized? What do you mean you're a Christian now? It can cause friction. This is not a private matter. You have moved from one dimension to another. He calls us to refocus, to get out of our security, to get out of what we know. If you've seen him, Christ, for who he is, for what he's done, then you must. That's what Jeremy and Laura have done. Not because they love a warmer place to live in, or they love Africa, but because they love Jesus. Because they know only Jesus can bring hope, only Jesus can bring peace, only Jesus can bring a true and long-lasting joy and an everlasting life with God. That's why they do it. I mean, they probably do love Africa as well, but... But they left the comfort of their country, their families, to bless others. You will not be able to catch others, bless others, unless you're willing to lose yourself. Jesus was the one who ultimately got out, who paid the price to bless the whole world and die on a cross for our sin. So that our sins could be forgiven, there's no longer a price to pay for all that we've done wrong. 
when you're ready to step out of your boat, leave your nets. Be prepared for people to laugh at you. Be prepared for your family to criticize you. Be prepared to use your money to help the advance of the kingdom. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to organize your precious time around the kingdom call, the cost of building the church to use your gifts that God has given you to contribute, then you're not only not listening to God's commands, you are not willing to be like him. I remember a while ago now, uh, there was an important day in the life of the church. This, I think this was in our previous church. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, an important day, there was stuff happening. We you know, really wanted everyone to be there. And somebody said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not going to come on Sunday. I'm, I'm going to the zoo. Pardon? I'm going, oh yeah, I'm just going to go to the zoo. You're going to the zoo? We're trying to build the church and you're going to the zoo. I mean, just going to see some monkeys and a giraffe. And there's, a, a, you know, this is the glorious church, the one thing that's going to remain. And you're going to the zoo. I mean, we, st we still talk, it's okay. <clears throat> but this call to catch people to follow Jesus isn't just an add-on and I'll just fit it in around my trips to the zoo I don't go to the zoo a lot by the way uh, not now anyway <clears throat> the good news is that God says to people who are willing to lay down their life their money, their time on the line I will bless you if you want more of God in your life then attempt great things for him if you want to, we want to see a great number of people coming to the Lord, don't we? Yeah. Well, guess how it's going to happen? We can all pray really hard. We, on Tuesday night, we can all just pray really hard. Lord, just bring them to us. Bring them through the doors, Lord. No, yeah, well, that, that might happen, and it has happened, actually. We have prayed for people to just walk in off the streets, and that has happened. But... What is going to happen is if we attempt to get out of ourselves to bless others. Because we are a sent people. We are in a season of growth and favour, so we need to open our mouths. We need to go out and speak to those that we may have spoken to before, or those that we've never spoken to before, because God is going to bless us. Because we are a sent people. We might need to speak to people that have rejected the message before. We're in a new season. Things are changing. People are responding. Oh, well, there was that other person. Yeah, I've spoken to them so many times. They just never wanted to come to church, never wanted to go on Alpha. I've invited them. Well, we're in a new season. It's time to go again. It's time to drop the nets. It's time to see where he wants to take us. It might just be that the little we know, if you're worried about sharing your faith, it might just be the little we know that we share. I just know that I love Jesus. I know that he died for me and he loves me. Sometimes that can be enough to just plant a seed. We need to expect a harvest. Peter later went on to write in 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with gentleness and respect. 
Peter saw Jesus, got a glimpse of his glory, veiled in his humanity. Says, away from me, a sinner. Jesus draws him lovingly in. Doesn't send him away, but gives him a job to do. And we get to know his powerful, all-knowing, all-conquering love when we step out. You know his reality when you go out to bless others. He's calling us to partner with his spirit. And he's committing to teach us how to do it. This isn't just a story about Peter, but it's about you and I. He's calling us to follow him, to die to self. We're going to pray. And uh, a while ago, we prayed, probably nearly two years ago, we prayed we did this weird thing, and I, I often try to stay away from weird, but we, I'm going for the weird today. We, we started to pray for empty chairs, and we just prayed that God would fill these empty chairs with people, and we're going to do that again today. We're going to pray for the empty chairs that God would, this is like a prophetic call, really, to say, Lord, will you fill these chairs? But today we're going to do something a bit more specific, and we're going to pray that God would fill these empty chairs with people... <clears throat> that don't yet know Jesus. We've known growth through people getting saved, through people coming um, into Alpha, responding to the gospel. <clears throat> but we've also known lots of other people coming from other places, mature Christians, which is great because we need help on this adventure. But we want to see growth through people responding to the gospel. Are you up for that? not too weirded out by that good because that's what we're going to do <clears throat> so let's pray find an empty chair lay a hand on it and pray lord will you fill this empty chair with somebody that doesn't know jesus lord we thank you for all that you are doing. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you died for us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are adding to us that people are responding to the gospel. But Lord, we pray now as a prophetic sign, really, that we, we pray that people who are lost, people who are broken, people who are searching for hope, will come and fill these empty chairs, Lord, through our own witness, through our own evangelism, through Alpha courses, through people walking off the streets. Lord, we pray, will you come by your spirit, by your power. We pray in Jesus' name, come and fill these chairs, Lord. I pray for um, <clears throat> every week that we start to see people saved and added into the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray, we're just reminded about those that we, <clears throat> we just had a, quick, a list about those that it, it was for as we were st starting to think about this afternoon service. It was for those not yet with us. Lord, we pray for those that are those not yet with us. We pray for the unchurched, non-church, never going to church, Lord. We pray for those not yet in the kingdom, though, who don't believe, who used to believe, who wish they could believe. Lord, we pray, will you draw them in? We pray for the prodigals who used to come. Lord, will you draw them in? Lord, come. We pray for a, such a fresh 
wave of your spirit, Lord. I pray will you embolden us now to speak truth and life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Can I ask you to stand now? And we're just going to pray. And if you... Um, don't know Jesus, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm just going to pray a short prayer that's very simple, and you can just say that in the quietness of your own heart. It says, those that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That You can know Jesus now and for eternity. So you can just say these words after me. If you, for the first time, you just want to invite him into your life. Lord, I'm sorry that I've lived apart from you. I'm sorry that I've turned my back on you. Thank you for dying for me on the cross for my sins so that I could be forgiven. Please now come and take first place in my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. He promises to do that. If you've prayed that prayer, he promises that he will come in. He says, Those, he says I'm standing at the door and knocking. And if you open in, he will come in. He will come in. It's a promise. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I would just love to speak to you at the end. Um, and now, just as we start to worship, I just want to pray over us again as a church. Lord, I pray for this new season. Will you blow on us, Hope Church Seven Oaks, to be bold in witness, in evangelism? Will you fill us again, Holy Spirit? Will you come again and give us that spirit of boldness and courage? I pray that over us as a church. Give us a spirit of boldness right now. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.